All right, welcome to SVU Pod, especially heinous. I am Gabe. I'm Tasha. We're back. Woohoo! Season five, episode one, tragedy. We're back, guys. Can you believe that? We're back. Let's do it. I'm excited. We took a break. If you want to hear anything about our break, check out our Patreon because we put up a ton of friendship boats. Mm-hmm. We, oh my God, I've got fucking <laughs> vertigo. I just got off of our friendship boat. We've been two months out at sea with only our friendship to keep us alive and do. <laughs> We've lost a lot of weight. We're looking good because of the starving. Snatched as hell. Dehydrated as shit. Let's do it. All right. Opening scene. There is a 911 lady answering her call, one of those telecommunicator ladies. Mm-hmm. She's like, hello? <laughs> no, she's not. She's like, a 911, what's your emergency? Yeah. So she turns up the speakers and the music gets all swelly. She calls one of the other 911 buddy people over, her coworker. And we've seen her before. We have? This is Halia in Weeds, and she becomes a reoccurring character, Judge Linda Maskin, who mm. is present day on SVU. Like, she's been on forever. But we've seen her before, and I think she played a 911 dispatcher the last time we saw her too yeah dispatcher that's the word not 911 lady (laughs) so on the other end of the line you can hear a woman screaming and a dude yelling at her but the woman on the other end of the line doesn't hear the dispatcher because she probably dropped her phone since it's a cell phone call no location is shown on the system so no help can be sent which i don't think is a thing anymore but this is early on when like pinging towers and all that shit was yep new so the dude is yelling and telling the woman to drive a car and is giving her directions the lady on the phone is crying and asking where she's supposed to go and if he's going to kill her and the dude says I'm not going to kill you I've got something else in mind then the 911 lady recognizes the signs of the call and says <laughs> she goes I know sweet mother of god it's the carjack rapist and then turns her head and her lip quivers did you see that yes she's never been in anything ever again <laughs> As I was typing, sweet mother of God, it's the carjack rapist, I was like, Gabe is not going to skip this in her notes. Mm -hmm. Boo! Season five. Amazing introduction. Mm -hmm. Season five. Now Benson and Stabler are at the Taru lab. Tarubin reviews the call with Benson and Stabler. SVU has been trying to catch this carjack rapist for a month. Also, we are introduced to Benny's season five hair. This is her Mm -hmm. originating the Bieber bangs. Yes. She did this Mm -hmm. before anybody else and really was the only one to pull it off. For sure. So when the 911 call was made, it hit off two different cell phone towers, indicating that the attack could have occurred anywhere in a 30 block radius. So the entire East Coast. Yeah. Into (laughs) Russia. Wait. Nope. Mm -mm. (laughs) I don't know anything about geography. Stabler's like, fuck, the city needs to get enhanced 911 so the calls from cell phones can be tracked easier. What a fucking brilliant idea. I (laughs) probably watching this episode is how they're like, we really need to take a stand. Every cell phone companies, we really got to do this. Get on top of it. Stabler's like, hey, and he looks directly into camera i'm talking to you at&t hey singular wireless can you hear me now (laughs) the cell phone company the number was issued through says the phone was one of 18 for the studio arts league narrowing it down chipping away Mm -hmm. now we're in this art studio benson stabler speak with the studio director and they're like walking through a life figure drawing class or whatever yeah they're drawing the most chiseled dude i've ever seen yeah this dude's got underwear on and i was like boo (laughs) Also, this woman was born to play a fucking art teacher. Yeah, for sure. Flowing, naturally gray hair, hair, glasses, just touching the tip of her nose, elegant but shapeless top. 
just mm-hmm. just art teacher. Right away, I'm just like, I, I know you. I know you in your face. She's been in over 100 things, including playing... I know you. You've been in my dreams. <laughs> I've seen you before. She's been in over 100 things, including playing Mags in the Hunger Games. And she'll be back in SVU in 2010 for the episode titled Beef. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I can't wait for that. So the phones are given to people who belong to the studio and they teach in schools across the city. They're given in order for everybody to like keep in contact quicker or something. Yeah, like phones. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, walkie-talkies? <laughs> the other day I was like, me and Tasha should get a walkie-talkie. And I was like, why don't we just text each other? <laughs> we do that now. Although it would be cool. Okay. She looks up the number that called 911 and it belongs to a painter named Annika Bergeron. She's a talented artist with a painting that happens to be directly behind the teacher <laughs> yeah. on the wall. Oh, Annika hasn't been in the studio for a minute because she's supposed to be on bed rest for a high risk pregnancy. She's fucking due in two weeks. Holy shit. She also lives near Thompson Square Park, which is where the call came from. Boop. At the apartment of Annika Bergeron, Benny and Staves are talking to the landlord. He embodies so much of what I love in an SVU tangential character. His accent, how much he knows about one person in his building, his shirt unbuttoned to show his man tank and chest hair, the fact that he looks like Tom Sizemore. He's so cute. He's such a sweetheart. Yes. Yeah. He tells Benny and Staves that Annika has been following her bed rest orders. Here's the thing. Usually the landlords are like, she's missing. Who's going to pay her rent? Or whatever. Uh, you know yeah so and he was like oh we were all helping her out yeah like he seems like a good dude yeah so he's like this is a good building folks look out for each other neighbors come by Mm. all day annika knows if she needs anything at night to call me and he goes on to say that he checked on her last night around nine and she was going to sleep (laughs) he said her her for like five minutes (laughs) they went they went to commercial (laughs) and they came back and he was like oh uh." Benny asks him if Annika has a car and he's like, yeah, big black SUV, a Tahoe, I think. But she shouldn't have been out of bed and at her car. So we're going to tuck that away till we get those Mm -hmm. sweet, juicy luds back. Yeah. It's like, why was she out and about if she's supposed to be on bed rest? Mm -hmm. The landlord says there's no dudes coming or going. I haven't seen any guy come around here since Daniel moved out last year. They're like, Mm -hmm. Daniel, Daniel, damn, Daniel. (laughs) He's like, Daniel Lester, nice guy, carpenter, always help me fix stuff. This guy is played by just the voice of Tony Danza, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Then one day, poof, (laughs) said poof really weird. Yeah. He's gone. (laughs) Off the absolute tip top of this guy's fucking head, he lets them know that Daniel, a guy he hasn't seen in a year, works for (laughs) Granville Developers, a big shot contracting company in Midtown. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, let's go to Daniel's office then. So we bop on over to Daniel's office. Daniel seems upset about Annika's dis. I don't know why I'm talking. I'm still talking like this guy. This is, <laughs> this is me talking now. <laughs> Daniel's Daniel's getting upset. These pretzels are making me thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel seems upset about Annika's disappearance, but not to me because he has I killed my girlfriend face. Like his face looks like the guy who would have killed his girlfriend. See, I didn't I didn't I don't agree with that at all. Mm. I mean, obviously, I go for a real ride with my predictions throughout this. But yeah, by the end, my my notes are in all caps for the last like 20 minutes. Really? <laughs> no. He says that he isn't familiar with her car because she bought it after they broke up and they don't really keep in touch. 
Daniel says that Annika had not told him that she was pregnant. Yeah. Just then two women come in with flowers to talk about wedding details. Daniel is engaged to his boss's daughter, Melinda. Her mom's name is Rose. They're carrying the bouquets in front of their faces for a fantastic <laughs> reveal, by the way, when they walk in. Right. Rose is played by the lovely Shirley Knight, who we've seen before. Mm-hmm. 178 creds this woman has. Boop, Kobe. And Melinda is played by Kelly Martin, who has had so many long-term roles, but early on and maybe best known as Becca Thatcher in the late 80s, early 90s show Life Goes On. That's it. I couldn't remember the name. I was like, yes, she's the sister of somebody. Yep. And I was like, oh my God, Corky. He was. Yeah. He came to speak at my elementary school and I was sick that day and I was pissed. <laughs> it's all connected there. It all yeah. comes back to that. Incredible actress, by the way. She's great. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that that's one of her. son, George? Corky. Okay. She's in so, she's in so much shit and has yeah. has had so many long term roles. But guess what? I see her face and all I hear is Roxanne's voice from a Goofy movie because she voiced her. <gasps> yeah. Oh my god. Max. Okay. So these women come in. They've got these giant bouquets of flowers and then they start feigning concern for this missing ex girlfriend. Like, oh my god. Oh no, she's dead slash missing. What? What? Mm-hmm. I'm predicting they had something to do with it. Yeah, as soon as the grandma walked in, I was like, it's her. Yeah. Rose says, she's like, oh my God, that's awful. We'll let you finish talking, but doesn't leave. (laughs) (laughs) She's just like, huh? Stabler asks for Annika's family contact info, but Daniel says, well, her parents are dead, but (laughs) she's got a, (laughs) she's not always said it, but well, her parents are dead, but she does have a sister who lives in New Jersey and skis in her jeans. All right, so let's go over to her sister's house, Laura Bergeron in Passaic, New Jersey. Oh my God, it's fucking Abby from Wet Hot American Summer. Oh my God, that's who that is. Okay. Wait for me, Abby Bernstein. Wait for me, my darling. Gonna... I'm a baby gonna hold her tight. Wait, what was the song he was singing? Oh no, he was singing um on the way to go meet Abby Bernstein because they were gonna bone. And he gets in the van. Even though we ain't got money, I'm so <laughs> right. in love. And then he fucking drives like, ah! right into the tree. <laughs> like she fucks that other dude. <laughs> oh, anyway, God, she's here dude. and she, she's Annika's sister, Laura. The black Tahoe is actually Laura's car that she lent to Annika. And Laura says the last time she spoke to Annika was a few days before she went missing. Annika's pregnancy is from a one night stand. So she wouldn't have been leaving late at night to go see the baby's father or anything. This is all based on what Laura is saying. Right. In the precinct, we got case updates with the squad. Toots and Munch canvas Annika's neighborhood. A guy at the bodega saw the Tahoe parked all week, but it was gone this morning. The whole gang starts to speculate that maybe the perp freaked when he saw Annika was pregnant and killed her. Stabler says they still need to work the case as if Annika is still alive. Dr. Crespo, Annika's OBGYN, shows up. Annika was on bed rest for placenta previa. She can't deliver the baby vaginally. If she goes into labor and doesn't get to the hospital, she and the baby could die. Toots gets a call from Tarubin. He was able to get some shit off the 911 recording. So now we're with Tarubin in the Tarubin 
Brew Lab, <laughs> Ruben was able to isolate some of the background noises on the tape. This is so crazy. I know. He, I know, I'm like, shut up. This is TV cop stuff. Yeah. He uses the background noises of the car driving and turn signals to figure out where they were going. They end up on the highway, according to like the echoes and stuff. It sounds like they go under a few bridges. Right. Ruben would crush it in that one survivor competition where they blindfold them and they have to tell them where to go in the maze or whatever. Right. You're like, none of this happened. Okay. No. So then after they get under a bridge, the fucking car stops. Tarubin thinks that they're parked by FDR Drive. It's the only area that matches the acoustics. And I was like, nice job, Tarubin. He's like, FDR. FDR. Now we're on FDR Drive by the bridge. There's a bunch of officers on the scene. They're looking for signs of Annika and the attacker. And this cutie little canine unit. Oh, my God. His name was Barnaby, which I was like, no canine unit would name a dog three syllables. Right. Anyways, he was adorable. He was able to track Annika at the scene using some cloth of hers. Um, Clothes? Clothes? uh, Yeah. (laughs) Some clothes. Using a piece of her clothes. She was was wrapped in a loincloth. He was tracking baby Jesus in hell if he didn't find him. Mm -hmm. There were other tire marks, and it could mean that Annika was transferred to a different car. The cop human with the cop dog, by the way, (laughs) had cheekbones for fucking days. Did you see that guy in his face? No. Okay. Uh I looked him up because I was like, because he just kind of comes in with the dog, and he's like, that was the dog, not the guy, but maybe him too. This is his first appearance as reoccurring character, K-9 unit officer Dumont. So this dude is mm. with us for a while. This dude and his fucking cheekbones. Hmm. Stabler doesn't think that this sounds like the carjack rapist's M.O. Benson says the perp could still be the carjack killer and just maybe graduated from rape to kidnap. And I'm like, no way. It has to do with Daniel's fiance. She probably thought Annika was having Daniel's baby and was trying to stop it. That's where I was at. Yeah. But obviously, Stabler being like, that doesn't seem right. That's just foreshadowing that this is a copycat. Right. Stabler's like, well, where the fuck is the Tahoe then? If she was transferred to another car and Benson looks at like a no parking sign and she's like, it could have been impounded. Context clues. So they follow that Halid and Benny and Stabes head over to the impound lot. The Tahoe was towed. Stabler mm-hmm. gets a Slim Jim from a clipboard cop like a surgeon asking for a fucking scalpel. He's like, Slim Jim. Yeah. When I saw Slim Jim, I didn't read past that and I just immediately imagined Stabler with like a snap into a Slim Jim. It just popped in my head and I was like, duh. Fucking macho man Randy Savage is like, yeah. <laughs> Starts banging at the window with just closed fist, punches the car window, shatters. pulls it out. His blood everywhere. His cocaine is just fucking flying out of his nose. Anyway, Stapes takes this Slim Jim right into the door, pops it right open. Hot. Okay. Mm-hmm. What do we find in the car? Blood all over the front seat. Benson and I think the attack was a copycat of the carjack rapist. Whoever attacked Annika knew her. She was lured down to her car and then was kidnapped. Yep, they were using the high-profile case to get the cops off their scent. Right. But they got that cutie-patootie little fucking German ships. Oh, Barnaby. Ugh. Oh, he's, he's been dead for a long time, I bet. I know, oh, that dog died so long ago. I am too soft for this world. 
<laughs> oh, my heart. So they get all that shit together. They take the Tahoe into the CSU lab for evidence. CSU Captain Judy, which is what I'm going to call her now. This is Judith Cyper, says that Annika drove while the attacker controlled her from the passenger seat. They can mm-hmm. tell that, the, obviously, because he's like, take her right. They can tell that the attacker was wearing leather gloves based on marks left on the back of the driver's seat. Hot crime lab bomb squad guy tells them that Corner Warner told him the blood on the seat of the car is Annika's and there are cervical cells present, mm-hmm. but there was no amniotic fluid so she wasn't in labor yet but she was bleeding from there God, we're all adults here her private parts <laughs> she her was hoo-ha. her Jesus. undercarriage her tweeny <laughs> annika's OBGYN says that she's got a max of 36 hours to live based on the amount of blood she's already lost oh my god Shit. TikTok, you sexy TV cops. I don't know. Maybe you should kiss about it. I don't know why I got off on this like <laughs> fucking thought in this moment. But if we zoom out on what this just just hear me out a second. If we zoom out on what this show actually is, don't you think it's super weird that there's like a will they, won't they, Ross and Rachel thing going on that they managed mm-hmm. to fit in between kidnappings and missing dicks and twins impersonating each other and just like <laughs> so much murder? Yeah, it is kind of... It's like, that's what everybody... There have been so many crimes solved, unsolved. Benson's been literally kidnapped, damn near buried alive, and Stabler's wife was exploded, and they're like, (laughs) yeah, but they're gonna fuck, probably. People are (laughs) so weird. This is so weird. Back at the precinct. (laughs) Okay, we're just gonna keep going. Thoughts? Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm just... I just saw something recently was like, they're going to talk about, I'm like, I'm not even fucking falling for this shit anymore. Like either pull your fucking hoo-hahs and tweenies out or fucking, (laughs) or whatever. Agreed. It's like a shower of blood and they're just so like (laughs) inching closer. (laughs) Gross. Mm -hmm. All right. Now we see Benny Staves, Cragen having a precinct walk and talk with the case updates. Mm -hmm. Cragen wonders what the motive is. Pregnancy makes a woman more at risk for intimate partner abuse and homicide. So who's the father? And I'm like, that's a fucked up fact. But Mm -hmm. we all know is true. Benson says it's possible that she was kidnapped because someone wanted the baby. So she could be hidden away until she gives birth. That's a little more far fetched. But this Mm -hmm. is TV cop stuff. This is the universe. After all, mm-hmm. Toots comes into Cragen's office with those tasty luds. He's like, yum. Annika <laughs> received a call from a payphone before her disappearance that lasted 50 seconds, you guys. It was 15 minutes before she was kidnapped. She also made an outgoing call to a car service. Well, Toots does his homework, so he already called them. And they told Toots that a woman called for an out-of-town fare. They sent a car, but Annika never showed up. Stabe speculates that whatever she had to do was so urgent, she got impatient waiting for the car service and decided to drive herself and got jumped. Before she left the house, she went online to Map It Now, the map quest of Hudson University, to get Mm -hmm. directions to the Passaic County Hospital near where her sister lives. Mm-hmm. So does her sister have something to do with it? I'm not sure, like, why, though? This, mm-hmm. it, this, this whole thing got, like, confusing for me. It's for a, a whirlwind for the first, like, half yeah, of this episode. definitely a whirlwind. Yeah. Now we're in an interview room with Benny and Stabes. They're with Annika's sister, Laura. Laura denies being involved with Annika's disappearance, and she admits that she lies about having spoken to Annika a few days before she disappeared. It had actually been weeks. They were fucking arguing about money. Mm. 
Annika had been giving Laura pretty much half of her salary, even though she had a baby on the way, because Laura had financial issues, like fucking mage issues. So Laura's ex was this con artist dude that ran up all these bills and then disappeared. And his name's Bob, whatever. Sabler thinks that maybe <laughs> her ex... Yeah. Oh, I Stabler thinks that maybe her ex, because she was like, Bob. She said it once. (laughs) Stabler thinks that maybe her ex, Bob, kidnapped Annika because she thought Annika was a fucking cash cow. But it couldn't have been him because he's in jail in Arizona. Apparently, he tried the same scam on the Arizona sheriff's sister. So he's fucking whatever. He couldn't have done this. Right. Mm -hmm. He's a turd, but he's not our turd. Yeah. Laura says she did not call Annika and would never hurt her. Benson asks her who the father of the baby is. So fucking Lauren knows who the father is, but promised she would never say anything, but then does. It's Daniel, Annika's ex, the guy she used to live with. Shit. Also in this next scene, when they go to meet with Daniel, I was like, oh my God, this guy has murder his girlfriend face, but he also has Jared Leto face. He also is wearing the same exact robe that I was wearing. (laughs) It was John's robe. Seriously, oh go back and look at it because it had the white piping and everything. I was like, what? oh, you know what? When I was watching it, I did. I remember seeing it and thinking, oh, Gabe would love that robe. So Benson stayed to meet with Daniel at his house. He completely denies hurting Annika. He was in Boston and he shows them his boarding passes and stuff. Daniel did not know he was the baby's father. Stabler says... Dude, there's got to be a reason why she thinks it's yours, man. Yeah, the horse math does not add up here. Yeah. So he's like, okay, well, I came to get some stuff one night and we had some wine, a little bit more. And then we hooked up and we were like, oh, my God, that's crazy. I cheated on my fiance. So Daniel says they broke up because they fought about money. Annika liked being a, quote, starving artist. And she called Daniel a sellout when he went to work with Rose. Daniel says his dad was a garbage man who had six kids to feed. And Annika thought it was cool to struggle. Melinda didn't know that Daniel slept with Annika. But he says, "Ugh, I'll have to tell her now. Then you see fucking Melinda in the background and like satin Oof. nightgown and she's like you don't have to tell me and i was like oh my god she materialized like fucking homer simpson backing into a bush the opposite <laughs> it was way. crazy too because she was behind him and the benson stabler were in front of him and could clearly see her walk up and they weren't like shh, shh, or yeah. like whoa Okay, so now we're in the precinct. Benson and Stabler are talking in the elevator. They fucking think Daniel attacked Annika to hide their pregnancy, so it didn't screw up his chances of marrying into money. They think that Boston isn't too far, and they could have flown in and killed her and then went back. It's like four hours away or something. Mm-hmm. When they get off the elevator, Toots says he found Daniel's police records. Dude's got a bit of a rap sheet. He had dismissed assault charges in a disorderly conduct. Yeah, and we haven't seen much, much this episode, or we haven't seen him at all. This is when I noticed that, like... So now we're, you know, further into the squad rooms. Craig is directing folks to call hospitals and OBGYNs. He's in his pretzel-eaten blues, too. Yeah, pretzel-eaten blues. There's going to be a press conference about Annika's disappearance to get her face in the news. One PP or wants to do it now. She's got, like, 25 hours left to live. Mm -hmm. Craig says that the department isn't ready to call Daniel a suspect yet. They think Annika was kidnapped by someone desperate for a baby. (sighs) Ugh. And Stabler's all pissed. Craig is like, fucking give me proof Daniel's guilty and then we'll fucking move forward. This is how this works. Yeah. <laughs> you know? The police. Uh, mm-hmm. Out at the press conference, Craig and Laura are presenting. Craig goes over. <laughs> pictured him like thrusting his hips forward. That's not what I mean. Um, they're, they're giving the, Craig is giving the press conference and Laura is being 
the like family mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. Cragen goes over Annika's disappearance and tells people about the tip line that got set up. Benson and Stabes see Daniel's boss slash his future mother-in-law, fucking Rose, mm-hmm. just barrel out of a town car. She wants to speak at the press conference. She's like, move, let me say something. And they're like, no, this isn't for you or about you. And she's like, I want everyone to know that my company is offering a $100,000 reward leading to the information that could find Annika. Yeah, this is where I was like, okay, mm-hmm. that's her. Because it's like, dost thou protest too much? Or those people that like show up at search parties that like did the crime. Yeah. Come on, bitch. Yeah, Munch goes into it in the next scene a little bit more, but they were like, that's weird that you want to do that. And she's like, actually, it's not. She is pregnant with Daniel's baby. He is our family. So we take care, you know, it's a it's a woman and a baby that need to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. I'm such a good person. And she just says she wants to do whatever they can to help. So she goes up and speaks to the press and she's like, Annika's a family friend. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now we're seeing a Munch and Stabes walk and talk. Oh, hey, Munch. I just noticed that you were missing. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> Stabes goes, dude ripped a page from the OJ playbook, getting Rose to throw mm-hmm. up a reward for the real killer. That guy's got mm-hmm. a set of brass ones, I'll tell you that. What a hump. What, what a <laughs> fucking hump. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I, I knew something about it, but I looked it up. Less than a month after murdering his ex-wife, Nicole Brown and Ron Goldman, OJ offered up a half million dollars for tips on the case gross Mm -hmm. that also like all the calls coming in is really going to gum shit up and so Mm -hmm. that would be another motive for people offering that kind of like i'm going to offer this for tips well now they're just going to get loads of tips that won't go anywhere also this comment makes me think that daniel had nothing to do with it it's that pearl wearing wasp lady rose yeah so munch tells stabler that They've already had 500 calls on the tip line in three hours because people are after Mm. the reward. Like I said, they're walking to the fishbowl of the precinct, the squad room. (laughs) And Toots hangs up the phone and he's like, I've got something. This is where I'm like, man, he is the info guy this episode. Like usually we get a Mm. ton of information from Munch. Mm -hmm. Every time they're like, what do we do? Toots will pop in from around a corner and be like, I just got this in. I got the LUDs. I got the information. I just got a phone call. Mm -hmm. He is the guy. So a dude called and said that he's willing to trade information for the reward. He knew that Daniel was the father, which was not told to the public. That was a little tidbit they held back. The guy also demanded that Daniel be the one to bring the reward money. Oh, shit. Now we're in an apartment or office or something where Munch and Toots are strapping Daniel into a Kevlar vest to go meet the caller. They're prepping Mm -hmm. him for the meetup. Don't be a hero. Da, da, da. Melinda's sitting there not loving this whole thing, but Toots and Craig and reassure her that that corner of the city is swarming with cops and they've got all this shit covered. Like this is going to be the safest place in the city right now. Right. Rose comes in with a duffel bag full of money. They're ready to go. I'm super invested. I'm like, let's fucking do this because the guy that's meeting them for all this money will not have any connection to them at all. This will be all new information with a whole new ring of people. Yeah, that's not true. So Daniel's out on the corner with the briefcase. Officers are staged, but look like fucking cops. I mean, it's insane. They're all staring at them wearing like aviators. They're so many cops. It's so, it's so stupid. They're like fucking talking in their cuffs and staring at him the whole time. The costumes they're wearing are obviously from Party City too. They're all like detective costumes. <laughs> detective costumes. <laughs> I'm a fucking window washer. Eater, eater. Like, right. <laughs> like nobody's yeah. a fucking. But he's like, he's like doing it on a tree. 
you know, (laughs) just staring behind him. Benson (laughs) literally walks up in a goddamn trench coat with a newspaper Mm -hmm. with fucking holes cut out like a newspaper (laughs) ghost next to him. And she's like, hey, what's up? Oh, here he comes. I'm going to step away when he's three feet away from us. It's TV. And we're both looking at him. (laughs) Yeah. So she has a it's a map and she she goes up to him. supposed to look like she's at asking for directions but it's clearly whatever the dude walks up to daniel daniel's like where the fuck is annika the guy lunges for the money from daniel and then they begin to fight daniel pushes the guy into traffic and he's hit by a car and dies before he can tell them where annika is and i was like what i'm like this is fucking completely staged by the rich family melinda and rose also isn't there a fucking resuscitation protocol before you just call the dude fucking dead they're like he's gone it's been two seconds he just like he might have just passed out breathe into his mouth right that's what you do you call it you call a bus breathe into his mouth it was fucking weird it was i uh, yeah they're like don't die and he's like (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay so now we're in the precinct the tip line is still going crazy but nothing worth looking into toot says the guy that died his name is greg jezik i I don't know jizzy i i literally (laughs) said I typed this so many different ways. The, Jensik? The dead, gu- the dead guy. Greg the Jizz Jezik used to work for a loan <laughs> shark. So I started just calling him. I started calling him the Jizz. <laughs> okay, let's. I'll do that. Okay. His name was Greg Jezik, a.k.a. the Jizz. He has a <laughs> shitty past. Assaults. <laughs> He's got assaults. <laughs> okay. He's got assaults, a murder that was pled down. He used to work for a loan shark breaking legs mm. till he did his last bid upstate. He had ads in military magazines as a paid-for-hire mercenary. He could have been hired to kidnap Annika. They got to figure this out. <laughs> Jeez. He could have been, been hired to kidnap, to kidnap Annika. Annika. They got to figure this out because they have 19 hours left before Annika and the baby possibly die. Kragen starts fucking dadding out and tells Munch and Toots to keep going on the Jizz background financials. Then tells Benson and Stabler to get a warrant on Jizz's apartment. Old Jizzy, back at it again. <laughs> so they head over to the Jizzy's hizzy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Fuck us. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so he tells them to get a warrant for the Jizzy's apartment. Maybe something there will tell them who paid for Annika's kidnapping. Duh, we already know. Mm-hmm. Benson Stabler busts into Jizzy's apartment with guns drawn. It's very messy. There's no blood, tons of porno, and like soldiers of fortune magazines and guns and ammo magazines. He has pics of Annika in his apartment along with very meticulous surveillance records of her comings and goings. The surveillance started in August, the same day Jizz was wired 5K from Western Union. It must have been a down payment because he was wired another 5K the day before he kidnapped her. Benny, Stabes, Munch, and Toots carpooled back to the precinct and are chatting in the street. They all get out of the same car. I thought it was really sweet. Mm-hmm. Toots says that the wire transfers for an account in the Cayman Islands. And the Caymans takes account privacy very seriously so they can't get a name for it. And I'm being a detective. And I'm like, Cayman account, hmm? That sounds like a rich lady thing. Mm-hmm. Forget that for now. Munch and Toots got a lead on the Jismans Luds. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, so the day before Annika went missing, Dr. Jisman got a call. <laughs> the guy that got killed in the street. I feel like we're deviating too far from who this guy is. The day before Annika went missing, dude got a call from someone who's jailed at Sing Sing where Jizman did his last stint. Okay. His last jolt. <laughs> 
It was, it was perfect. The Jismin did a jolt. Oh, you gotta. Oh, oh yeah. At the last Jismin jolt, he was <laughs> with this guy. I don't know. Do the Jismin jolt. The Jismin jolt. Okay. Come everywhere. <laughs> you have to wear special shoes. <laughs> you gotta use golf shoes to get out of this muck. Remember that? Instead of that tapping, fun? it's just like. Gross. Now we head to the warden's office at Sing Sing. The warden is given all the information he can. He said that mm-hmm. Sam Marlette, an inmate, called Jizzman. Sam is currently serving six to eight for being in on getting his girlfriend to have sex with a married man so they could then blackmail him. How the fuck does that give you six to eight? Like, I don't know. How do you get six to eight years for being like, hey, fuck that guy. And then we're going to fuck that guy. I like that the guy was like, no, and reported it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel Lester visited Sam the month before. What? Mm, yep. They're all connected. Trifecta. This also doesn't get fully explained either, but now the detectives interview Sam. So they go and they're like, clink, clink. We got to talk to you. One. He looked like somebody. Mm. And I couldn't place it for a second. I'll tell you who it was. So this this is this guy's second appearance of three appearances on SVU. Also, he looks like fucking chode hole Robin Thicke. That sack of carrots, Robin Thicke. <laughs> Alan Thicke's son, who's a total creep. The he, sack of carrots. <laughs> the sack of girthy carrots. <laughs> he denies talking to the jizz since jizz made parole. So Sam's like, how's he doing anyway? And Stabler's like, he's dead ass wipe. Okay, <laughs> Sam refuses to give up Daniel because Daniel never gave up on him and got him a job working in the mail room at Granville Developers where Daniel works before Sam fucked up again. Oh, mm. you worked at Granville? Okay. <laughs> hmm. Note to self. When told that all this shit could get him put on death row, he still refuses to spill information. He's full on dog loyal to Daniel. Damn, Daniel. He's a fucking canine unit and Daniel's cheekbones. Thanks for the mail job. I'll go to the, I'll I'll die for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sam wants to go back to his cell, and Stabler tells the CO to take Sam straight to the hole so he can't call Daniel. Now the fucking gang searches Daniel's house. Melinda is there and refuses to believe that Daniel could be involved in Annika's disappearance. She also refuses to believe that Sam arranged the kidnapping. Benson says, stand by your man sounds much better than when Tammy Wynette sings it. <laughs> and I was like, shit. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, Daniel's so great. He has some shitty friends. And she's like, so? (laughs) So do I. (laughs) She's like, don't you? She believes that Daniel was helping straighten Sam's life out. And that doesn't make Daniel a monster. She just just still doesn't think that Daniel could do this. They tell her that he paid Jizzy. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) They tell her that he paid Dr. Jizz to kidnap Annika. She just just won't believe it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Munch and Toots come in the room with brochures with the same bank in the Cayman Islands that the wire transfers to Jizzy were from in Daniel's desk. Yeah, they found them because they are crushing it this episode. Yeah. She looks kind of shocked. That's the thing that shocked her. And they're and they're like, where's Daniel? And she's like, I don't know. But Sailor's like, dude, people are going to fucking die. And she's like, okay, he's at the new building site. God. God. Now we're at the new building site. Benson and Stabler are walking on Rose and Daniel talking over plans. They fucking get up in there, handcuff Daniel. He keeps denying that he kidnapped Annika. And I'm like, it was Grandma Rose. Rose 
She's like, don't say a word. I'm going to call my lawyer. Now Benson and Stabler and Daniel are in a precinct interview room. He's still denying kidnapping Annika. Benson says Daniel didn't want to get his hands dirty, so he paid Jizzy to do it. He gets his hands dirty. A lot. Jizz gets his hands dirty. He's into it. Poor, poor, barely dead Jizzy. (laughs) He says he doesn't know who Jizzy is. Everybody knows Jizzy. Benson tells him it's the dude that he pushed into traffic. Daniel's like, oh my god, that was an accident. Benson's like, oh, weird. It's an accident that he's the ex-cellmate of Sam Marnette? Hmm? And Daniel's like, I don't know who that is or what Sam has to do with any of this. Stabler gets in his fucking face. (laughs) like sideways he's like don't play games with me i'm about 30 seconds away from shoving your face in the wall and i swear he was gonna say i'm about 30 seconds away from shoving your face in my ass (laughs) these are just wishful wishful thinking (laughs) daniel seems to really have no idea what's going on betty and stables break it down for him you wanted annika out of the way because you didn't want the baby to ruin your chances of marrying into wealth so you cried on sam's shoulder and he finds jizzy and while daniel was quote conveniently away jizzy lures annika out of the house and kidnaps her and fakes a carjacking but y'all screwed up the 100k was too tempting for jizzy because daniel only offered him originally 10k that's why jizzy wanted daniel to drop the money off because if shit went south he could just pin it on daniel mm-hmm. Daniel's like, I have never met Jizzy before and swears he doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Benson tells him about Jizzy's payment and how it came from the same Cayman Island bank he uses. They found the brochures in his fucking house. And then he gets this weird look on his face. Stabler again asks him where Annika is. He says he doesn't know and he doesn't know if she's alive. They tell him that she's going to die and so is the baby who is also his baby. Mm-hmm. So then he admits to doing it, which I was like, what? Yeah. But he doesn't know where Annika was taken. I don't believe him. I, That's I think he exactly, really doesn't know yeah. what's going on. My yeah. notes to the T. I said, I, I don't believe him. It was too, it didn't yeah. make enough sense for me to get there. And he admitted yeah. to it too soon. It was, too, yeah, it was, it was just too like, weird. it wasn't, it wasn't climactic enough. There was no wah, 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 or anything. Yeah. There's a daddy knock on the door. It's Cragen. Hmm. He pulls Stabler out of the interview room. Stabler, <gasps> what? He pulls him out of the interview room to the other side of the glass. You know what? I didn't know if that counted, so I didn't do one. I did one because I thought it counted. Okay, okay do it. Cragen pulls Stabler out of the interview room and to the other side of the glass in Cragen's 1994 Toyota Supra. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> He's like, roll up the window, and they're like... <laughs> Stabler's like dude, why'd you pull me out of here? You don't think I was actually going to hit him? And Craig is like, girl, please, I know your act. I pulled you out because Rose is in my office. And I was like, no, you don't know Stabler's act. All right. he's done is fucking kick people's heads in yeah. the interrogation room. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, I knew you weren't going to. Sweat no, drops, sweat did. drops, sweat <laughs> drops. Like, yeah, sure, Kathy. Act. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to gun it to 88 in Cragen's Supra because Rose is in Cragen's office. Boom. In Cragen's office, Rose is certain Daniel didn't have anything to do with this. Why, Rose? Because it was you? Or are you protecting your daughter? Hmm? Nobody thinks it was Daniel. Neither of us. <laughs> Stabler says, hmm, well, Daniel's got motive. Annika and the baby could really fuck things up with marrying Melinda, and he hit the fucking jackpot getting in with your rich-ass family, Rose. Rose tells him, mm-mm-mm, no, because she had Daniel checked out by a private investigator very early on. And Craigan goes, oh, you must have been concerned. Otherwise, why would you hire a PI? She wants to make sure he wasn't a gold digger. Right. Just like her ex or whatever it sounded like. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, oh, my fucking bullshit husband. I didn't want that happening to my daughter, Melinda. Yeah. Her dad left with 
half my money and my secretary, but Daniel isn't like that. And I'm like, Rose, honey, they're all like that, but okay. Yeah. And Sabre's like, you get to have your opinion or whatever? <laughs> yeah. Well, she, yeah, she's like, Daniel isn't like that. He's not. Um, He literally got another woman pregnant while he was with your daughter, but okay. He's... Yeah, good start. Good start. And she did earlier when she came to give her little reward speech at the press conference. She was like, I'm not going to let him go for one small indiscretion. Right. There's a person coming. Like, there's a whole other person. Right. Anyway, Stabler goes, okay, so you had him checked out. Like, he's understanding her. And she says, a woman in my position has to protect her family. That is the most guilty person thing to say on Mm. any police procedural. Yeah. The PI's investigation concluded that Daniel is marrying Melinda because he loves her. Mm. I don't know how an investigation would lead to that, but anyway. And that Daniel would never fucking hurt anybody. He's not a violent guy. Mm -hmm. Cragen and Stabes are all but begging her to hear them. They need information from Daniel about where Annika is ASAP because she and the baby are going to die. Rose is unshakable and old rich white lady size. Mm. (sighs) Her lawyer went to college with the DA, so she thinks she can convince him not to file charges. She's not going to cooperate whatsoever. Right. Toots comes to the door. Knock, knock, knock. More information. The lab has more findings that could help the case. Do, do, do. Crime lab. Also, it's like fucked up. They're like, she's going to put her money where her mouth is, isn't she? The fact that like rich people, that scares people in Mm -hmm. law enforcement and detectives and stuff because they can actually change justice by having money. Like justice is never served. No. Rarely is it served. Staves and Toots are now at the crime lab with CSU Captain Judy, a.k.a. my neighbor Jean. I finally figured out who this lady reminds me of, and it's my neighbor Jean. And I was like, maybe I can convince Jean to let me post a side-by-side of her and CSU Judy so that everybody could get in where I'm at. Like, she has that short little haircut. She wears Bermuda shorts and mows her lawn. She's this really cool bad bitch, and I love her. Mm, cool. She has very square French tip nails. Mm, yep. You know, and she looks exactly like CSU Captain Judy. So moving on. Corner Warner sent the Jizz's clothes over to the lab. A blood soaked mm-hmm. receipt was found in his pocket. Oh no, it's illegible. Oh, not if you have special lasers. Kill the lights. Yeah. Pew, pew. <laughs> the receipt is for gas at a place near the beach. Let's hit fucking Moe's gas and go. Sabre's like, I know this place. I used to hang out there in the summers. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you, you, you hung out at Moe's fucking jizz and go yeah right <laughs> right okay so stabler and toots are talking to mo we've met this dude two times before and loved him both times and we'll be seeing him again many times to come sure i seen him yesterday maybe the day before drove a black mustang nice car but beat to hell stabes goes you know where he came from not the bridge that's for sure plenty of service stations closer than mine Pfft, that's why my business is in the toilet Stabler goes, cool, we don't care. Anywhere around here where someone could be isolated, no neighbors, I mean. And dude's like, there's a couple old cottages on the beach around the point. Pretty deserted out there after Labor Day. Lots mm-hmm. of information. Toots and Stabes start to leave, but helpful Mo, who is definitely not wearing a Party City wig, says, <laughs> hey, you won't make it in that car. Here, take my truck. And tosses him the keys. Yeah, Stabler and Toots look at each other like, this isn't New York City. <laughs> you know, New York City. No, this is the guy. He played uh, a landlord who was like, yeah. oh, 
yeah, come on, I'll let you in. But he's just got a very, he's very much his character. And every time I see him, but this time they're just like, oh, God, he was really recently on. Just throw this fucking wig on, dude. <laughs> throw it on backwards. I don't even care. Just go. <laughs> he looked like Danny DeVito in Always Sunny when he fucking wore that hairpiece. <laughs> Toots and Stabler pull up by these cottages. They're in this very cool little vehicle. On the beach. They're in the sand. Like in the sand, yeah. They get out of the car and there's a bunch of buildings. They're all vacant. And they're like, it could be any of them. All of a sudden, they hear a woman calling for help. They listen for her and track the voice to one of the buildings. Stabler hotly kicks the door open. (laughs) Annika is found inside, tied up to the bed, covered in blood. She's been in labor all day and feels like the baby is coming. Toots calls it in. They fucking need help. Stabler is cutting her loose and asks her to try and wait for the ambulance before she tries to push. If she doesn't, she'll probably die. She's asking for help delivering her baby. Yeah, she's like... I can't hold this anymore. Yeah. Stabler takes a peek and he's like, oh my God, the fucking placenta is almost out. Did the placenta come out? What? I thought the placenta comes out later. It, oh, she has that thing. Yeah. Is that is that is, thing that she has when the placenta comes out first? Yeah. Where and then it gets stuck and the baby doesn't have that much time to live without breathing or something. Oh. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. The, the ambulance isn't going to come for like 10 more minutes. Mm-hmm. Stabler has to get down to business. He rolls up his sleeves. Ugh. She begs him to save her baby. Stabler tells her he has four kids, of course, and helped birth all of them. And I was like, no, you did fucking not. You, did. you were Somebody just there. Somebody handed probably. you a pair of scissors, maybe with the last two. You were just there, probably. You did not. No. Stabler tells Toots to keep talking to Annika. They got to keep her awake. Mm-hmm. The more they talk, Annika gives up info. Melinda had come by to see Annika. Oh, my God. <gasps> Stabler tells her to push. The fucking baby is born. Her name is Celia after Annika's mother. <laughs> Stabler wraps the baby in newspaper. Like a fish. <laughs> like a fish. But tosses them the- to Toots. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So I, I like scan the entire room and I'm like, there are pillowcases on those pillows. There are sheets. Take your fucking shirt, shirt. off. Shirt. Yeah. Take <laughs> off your pants, dude. Porky pig. Uh, take off your underwear, too. Fuck. <laughs> this is for the baby. Do it for the All baby. Right. Pan down slowly. <laughs> Hold the baby with your butt, dude. What are you doing? <laughs> Keep it for warmth. It's the safest place. <laughs> Keep a secret. Keep it safe. Okay, Stabler wraps the baby in newspaper and tells Annika that she's perfect and hands the baby to her. Annika says that the man who kidnapped her was paid by, quote, her, and then she loses consciousness. And they're like, who? Who her? Mm-hmm. Melinda? It's just, like, it's just like when Jizzy got hit by the car and he's like, uh, <laughs> 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 who? And she's like, bleh. <laughs> well, <laughs> now we're at the Bell Harbor Hospital in Rockaway, New York. I always like that. Rockaway. Benson and Stabler and stuff are there. Daniel was brought to the hospital in handcuffs. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing there. Benson tells him to drop the act and that she knows he didn't do this. He says, I wanted Annika kidnapped so I could marry Melinda. Benson then tells him to stop fucking covering for Melinda. They know she did it. I know she didn't fucking do it. Annika told them everything before she died. Daniel is shocked when he hears Annika died. He's like, no. Benson tells him that Annika told them that Daniel didn't know about the baby, but Melinda did. Remember? Daniel says that Melinda had nothing to do with this and that he is responsible. Um, Yeah. The note he got from the director was like, "Uh, we want you to act, but like act like you're acting. And he's like, okay, I did it. I wanted that baby gone. Mm -hmm. I took my, he was Moira 
Mo- I was going to say Moira Rose <laughs> at, the, at the wine. Moira, or at the- Moira Rose in a fucking <laughs> crow trench coat. <laughs> Ca-ca! Right. <laughs> There's a knock at the door. A nurse brings the baby in and Benson holds her. Aww. Oh, my God. It was such a fresh baby. That's brand new. The baby they brought it? Fresh. Oh, shit. That's fresh. Because you know how they're like, oh, here's your newborn. And it's like a six-month-old. Yeah. <laughs> with it's like, like teeth sticking out. <laughs> Um, or like it's got in, a comb over. I always it's think it's got of- a comb over when he's on his lunch break. <laughs> <laughs> so she holds the baby and tells Daniel that if he takes the fall for Melinda, he's gonna go to jail, and he's all Celia has. Mm. Daniel has tears streaming down his face and asks to hold Celia, but his hands are cuffed, so he has to do it behind his back, and it's really funny. <laughs> I don't know. In the precinct, Stabler meets with Melinda in a conference room. She wants to rush out and see Daniel. Stabler stops her and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why did you go fucking visit Annika? Huh? Huh? She says that she went to talk to Annika about a month ago because she was scared Daniel still had feelings. Melinda knew it was Daniel's baby. Annika tried to deny it because she didn't want anything to do with Daniel. But Annika ended up admitting to Melinda that the baby was Daniel's, but that she wasn't going to tell him. She wanted to have the baby by herself. She didn't want to deal with She just wanted to have a baby. Right. So Stabler accuses Melinda of getting Sam Marlette involved. But remember Sam Marlette? He was in the prison. He wouldn't go down because Daniel got him a job at um, licking stamps or something. Yeah. Melinda's like, Sam from the mailroom? What are you talking about? Yeah. She denies it and she's starting to get pissed. Everything's shining. It looks like everybody wants to hurt me. Benson and Stabler walk in. Melinda runs to Daniel, but he's like, don't touch me. Melinda keeps denying that she was involved in Annika's kidnapping, even though Jizzy told Annika a, quote, woman hired him. Mm-hmm. Melinda was supposed to be the only one who knew about Annika and Daniel's baby, but she had to have told somebody, oh my God, her mother. Her face totally changes. Because she's, she's like, like, oh God. I told one person. Benson knows it was Rose that Melinda told about the baby and accuses Melinda of knowing that Rose set the whole thing up. Melinda only discovered that afternoon that it could be her mother. She went to the business manager to get money for a bailout for the Cayman account, but the manager told Melinda that only Rose had a Cayman account, not Daniel. They weren't his. (gasps) So I'm guessing Rose planted those in there in his desk. Melinda wasn't going to out her mother because it's too late to save Annika. She was going to let her mom get away with it. Melinda's like, she's my mom. I didn't know what to do. Daniel kind of rolls his eyes and starts to leave the precinct. Melinda is following him and Rose is sitting on a chair and sees Daniel leave and calls his name. She tells him that the lawyers told her that he'd been released and it was such great news. Daniel turns around and he's like, how could you? Melinda fucking gets in Rose's face and then Rose is like, you know what? Yeah, I was trying to get rid of the baby so you and Daniel could have a fucking life. And then Melinda's like, I already told you. I don't care about that. And Rose says, oh, you've always been so trusting, but I know men. You would have taken your money and gone back to that woman and the baby. I did it for you. I want you to be happy. It's all I've ever wanted. Benson grabs Rose and arrests her. Melinda runs after Daniel, who gave her one last sad look before getting in the elevator to leave. (sighs) Toyota. I hope they work it out. Toyota Supra. Yeah, who knows? I mean, he's got his baby now. (gasps) You know what? He's going to like really come to terms with that. Like if he was super in love with Melinda, as the PI found that he was... He's going to reconcile with Melinda because she is so upset. They're going to raise that baby together. They're going to raise that baby together. And Melinda's like, it's my mother. I didn't know what to do, but she had only found out that day like a few hours ago. You know, I think that if my mom did something and I found out, I think I would wouldn't I would know that there's like a ticking time clock before they're like, why didn't you call? Mm-hmm. But I think I wouldn't know what to do. And I can't yeah. Google it because they'll track that shit. Right. 
Yeah, I don't know, dude. Just meddling. Those meddling moms. Like, what is she fucking doing? Just go get therapy. Go get therapy so hard. Like, this guy, your your daughter's dad left. Go get therapy. You wouldn't. Yeah. She wouldn't have ended up here. Yeah, I mean, Melinda already said she didn't care about the babies. Of they had, she, there had been forgiveness and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, fucking fuck off. You're gonna kill a lady? Right. She's like, well, like, I know better. Oh, that's such a waspy mom thing to do. Get out of here. Go on now, get. Good get. get, get. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. So this episode, this particular episode, didn't have anything thematically that stood out to me in a way that warranted a chaser. O.J. Simpson was mentioned, but I'm not going to go that route. What was mentioned near the beginning of the episode was the staggering increase in intimate partner violence when a woman becomes pregnant. Okay, Mm -hmm. so that more realistic piece of information, plus a lot of small details throughout the episode, made me think of one case in particular involving a former Carolina Panthers receiver, Ray Carruth, and a murder-for-hire plot against the woman carrying his child, Sharika Adams. There's an episode of Law & Order Regular called A Losing Season that's partially based on the 1999 Ray Carruth case, but nothing in SVU. Also, just a reminder that these chasers are based on either what the SVU episode is based on or on shit that I find to relate to the content of the episode. And some are harder to do than others. We're all doing our best here, okay? Yeah, back off, you guys. Jeez. Jesus Christ. I mean, I only say this because we got that one fucking email where somebody's like, you have a responsibility to do the correct things that line up and it's like i agree that it's important to highlight stuff that that like give things a platform and 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 talk about things in a respectful way that you know outside of entertainment value and whatever else but we're doing every single episode we're not cherry picking obvious episodes with obvious influence yeah but anyway let's fucking go because that's all i thought about this whole episode and the more research i did on the details of this case yeah the more i was like oh that lines up too that lines up too and i remember when this happened going back and rereading it and like re-researching it and and seeing what's come since wild Mm -hmm. here we go ray caruth was a first round pick out of the university of colorado in the 1997 nfl draft he was 23 years old living the young football player life making tons of money all of it i don't care about getting into the details and his talent blah 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 because i'm again not about to talk about what a good swimmer brock turner was i don't fucking care okay anyway super young he got a gal pregnant and michelle wright gave birth to his first son, Ray Jr. The two weren't together, so Ray took on the responsibility of child support payments, $3,000 a month at the time. Michelle Wright was his high school sweetheart. This is before he was on the Panthers, okay? He gets recruited, da-da-da. June 1998, Ray meets Sharika Adams at a pool party. She was working in real estate as well as dancing at a strip club. They hit it off and began seeing each other. Very casually, if you ask Ray, Sharika felt like it was a little more than just cash, though. Sharika was smart, hardworking, kind. Like, everybody has nothing but good things to say about her at one point. Like, you know, people want to paint her a certain way because she danced at a club. Whatever. But she, I was like, real estate and dancing? Shit. What she was raking boss, in money. I, I heard yeah. this. Uh, there's this great podcast. There's all these interviews with Sandra, which is Sharika's mom, who was, you know, she's like a church going, very nice lady. And she was like, I didn't like it at first. But then once I started seeing what she was doing, what her plan was, you know, how she's doing, I was like, do they need a mom over there? Do they need somebody to come over and help out? Wash right. the girl's clothes? I don't know. <laughs> At one point, Sharika took in a fellow dancer struggling with drugs and 
took in that dancer's child along with her mom. She was living with her mom. She got her on her feet and helped this woman sober up. Sharika's mom said that she still talks to her and her life was completely turned around because of Sharika's kindness. Like mm. this, this woman was, you know where I'm going with this. She lit up a room. Right. Right? She lit up a goddamn room. Yep. That's just, how you know she's going to get murdered. Yeah. She just took care of people. Wait, she didn't get murdered, though. Oh, don't tell me. Listen to the... Well, I'm going to tell you. It's the late 90s. Sharika and Ray are on and off. At one point, Ray got Sharika a cell phone so he could reach her whenever he wanted, which was a huge deal in the 90s. Also, it was like, oh, that was so sweet. It wasn't. It was controlling. But... Yeah. It seemed sweet at the time because getting your hands on a cell phone in the late 90s was not a thing that everybody had. Now it's just, it doesn't mean shit. But back then it was a big deal. Yeah, I was like 19 and it was 2001 when I got my first cell phone and I was the first one of like all my friends. It was a brick. It was like that Nokia, the snake. Yep, I got mine in 2001 as well. I got it for Christmas and it was a Nokia one with snake on it. It was... Yeah. (laughs) And then you had to pay these weird... You paid weird prices for like 1,500 minutes, but like 9 p.m. it was free or something Mm -hmm. like that. Texting wasn't really a thing then. My God, I saw this thing that was making fun of millennials. It was like, I remember when Netflix came in the mail. And it's like, that's what's (laughs) happening in this conversation. They're like, go "Go to bed, Grandma. (laughs) (laughs) Well, after some time in 1999, Sharika finds out that she's pregnant. Mm -hmm. Ray is pissed and insists that she gets an abortion. He's already paying child support for his son in California, and he doesn't want another one. Okay, so Ray had broken his foot after his first super successful season in the NFL and continued to get injured after that. He could see that his career was not going to be a long one. Yeah. Sharika was like, um, no, I want this baby. I'm going to be a mom, period. Uh, she had gone through an abortion years prior and was like, I don't want to do that again. That's I, I know how that feels for me. And I do want to be a mom at some point. And if this is how it's going to happen, then this is how it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So Ray's running around doing whatever, seeing all kinds of women and collecting a sketchy ass group of buds. He meets two significant people. One is Michael Kennedy, a dude who earned most of his money selling crack. They met at a car place where they do rims and stuff. And Kennedy complimented Ray on the rims he had on his car. Then that made them friends, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Ray then met a dude known as New York. Van Brett Watkins. From everything that I read and listening to interviews with him, he struck me as a Suge Knight type, okay? He was 6'3", 289, and scary as shit. He had Mm -hmm. done time for gun possession, assault. He threatened people's lives. He had multiple felonies. But in interviews, he himself said, he never got caught for this up until this point, but he himself said that he had been a hitman on several occasions in multiple states. Okay. And Ray met him when Watkins was working the door at a strip club. Eventually, Watkins started detailing Carruth's car and doing other odd jobs for him. Then Ray asked Watkins to do a different kind of favor. Why did I write that like fucking Keith Morrison? I don't know. But I was great. Then Ray said, I have a different job for you. He initially asked if Watkins would... Okay, trigger warning. This is all just like violence against women. He initially asked Watkins if he would beat up a woman and cause her to miscarry. Watkins said, I don't beat up women. I kill people. Does that include women? Well, Carruth was like, okay, fine. How much does that cost? They agreed that Caruth would pay Watkins $3,000 up front and $3,000 after the job was done, meaning he put out a hit on a pregnant Sharika. For $6,000. For $6,000. It's insane how little money. So this agreement was made. Watkins then stalked Sharika for months to get familiar with her routine and vehicle. He never found a good opportunity 
to follow through on that, though. Over a period of five months, an impatient Ray called Watkins over 150 times with plans, suggestions, like, hey, she's not dead yet. She's not dead yet. One of his little plans was to park by a dumpster outside of a restaurant and have Watkins attack her there. That event really happened, but Watkins didn't show up. We know it happened because Sharika kept a journal that detailed that very night. It said like, what the fuck? I sat out in this dude's car by the dumpster while he was in this restaurant forever. This was bullshit. He was waiting for someone to come and kill her and she didn't know. Oh, Jesus. All the while, She's pregnant, taking vitamins, preparing for motherhood. Ray finally called a meeting. Three dudes met up at his place. Van Brett Watkins, Michael Kennedy, the guy who sold crack and liked his rims, and Stanley Abraham. Abraham was just a friend of Michael Kennedy and had no idea what was going on. He was like, holy shit, I'm friends with Michael Kennedy, and he just brought me to fucking running back of the Panthers' Ray Carruth's house. Like, he's calling Mm -hmm. his friends. He's like, I'm at fucking Ray Carruth's house right now. No idea what's going on. The worst wrong place, wrong time ever. Sure. Ray took Kennedy aside and gave him money to buy a gun this rando dude was selling, Snubnose 38, because Ray had come up with a plan. He told Sharika he wanted to take her on a date to go to a movie and get back together. Remember, they were super on and off. Ray is constantly downplaying, even to this day, what their relationship was, which is a very different account from what Sharika was writing in her journals. But regardless, her mom said that Sharika was ecstatic and super hopeful. She's like, I got to get ready for this date. I'm so excited. By now, she's eight months pregnant, and it seemed like Ray was coming around about the baby, and she was just really excited. Sharika met Caruth at his house, and they drove Karuth's car to the movies. When they got back to his house, he told her he wanted to stay at her place, but had an appointment in the morning. So he would drive his own vehicle so that, you know, it was easier for him to leave in the morning. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Michael Kennedy, Van Bert Watkins and Stanley Abraham are cruising around the city. They stop so Kennedy can buy that gun and then they go to a gas station. And when Watkins goes inside, Kennedy then lets Abraham know what's going on. Okay. When dude found out he was riding along on a hit, he was like, fuck this, take me home. I did not agree to do any of this shit. And they're like, well, that's too bad because now you know about it. I'm assuming that's why they refused to take him home because they were like, well, you know about it now, so you're going to be involved so you can't say shit. Oh, God. How shitty is that? You're just like, hanging out with the dudes. Yeah. They're like, oh, by the way. Doing some naughty stuff, buying an illegal gun, not knowing you're going to kill a pregnant woman with it. At 12.19 a.m. on November 16th, 1999, Caruth called Kennedy to let them know to get ready. Caruth drove in front of Sharika in his car, supposedly on the way to her place as she followed in her vehicle. Tailing them was another car, Kennedy driving, Abraham in the passenger seat, and Watkins with the gun in the back. Out of nowhere, Ray stopped in the street in front of a church on Ray Road in Charlotte. The three men following came up around the side, like drive-by style, Mm -hmm. and Watkins shot into Sharika's car five times, hitting her four. Oh my God. Caruth took off. The hitmen took off. Watkins dumped the gun and gloves he was wearing, and his cleanup included wiping himself down with gasoline. I did a bunch of Googling to see if that was the method for removing gunshot residue, but I just got so sick to my stomach with all the shit that I found because it was like Reddit threads and shit, and people were so callously talking about disposal of it, which is is weird. I think it's because I was so mentally deep in this case that I felt just really grossed out by it. Meanwhile, an eight-month pregnant Sharika was alone in her car, bleeding to death. Mm. Oh, what's that? Yeah, 
She's got that motherfucking cell phone <gasps> that Ray gave her. She calls 911. And I have listened to that 12-minute call so many times. It's fucking heartbreaking. The information she was able to share during this call was incredible. Like, she's shot four fucking times, mm-hmm. okay? She's able to give all of this information to them. Caruth had stopped in front of her that she'd been shot, that she was left alone to die. She even mentioned that he had made a phone call. Like Mm -hmm. they went back to his house, he made a phone call, and then they left. I mean, she's doing the math while she's bleeding to death. Yeah. She laid on the horn as she was trying to let the dispatcher know where she was. It's funny isn't the word, but it's um it's cu- it's it's a curious thing because she uh the, you hear the in the 911 call you hear the dispatcher go, "What's that noise?" And she goes, "I'm laying on the horn trying to get attention." Like she's mm-hmm. problem solving all this shit on her own. Right. Cuz she wasn't on a rural road. There were houses around and shit. She's in front of a church. Like she's just trying mm-hmm. to get anybody to see her because she can't exactly tell them where she is and just like in the episode they can't triangulate where she's at because she's on a cell phone Mm -hmm. at this point at this yeah you know 1999 she's just doing everything super smart eventually a neighbor comes out like a a person comes out of their house and they're like holy shit and they're able to give the exact address and paramedics came they rushed her to the er there she had an emergency c-section giving birth to chancellor lee adams born an hour and 15 minutes after his mom had been shot he was 10 weeks premature three pounds, 11 ounces. They immediately rushed him to the NICU, okay? Yeah. Ray shows up at the hospital after Sharika's mom, Sandra, called him a bunch because she was like, oh my God, Ray probably doesn't even know what happened because Sharika had left his house and they had this nice date. So she's calling and calling and calling. He's not answering. He finally shows up with another woman and Sandra's like, well, that's weird. And then takes him to the NICU to see his son and he doesn't want it. You could like put your finger in the little thing you know, to like mm-hmm. get and touch your hand or whatever. And he wouldn't do it, didn't want to touch him. That's when Sandra confronted him and said that she knew he had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. She said he was just acting too fucking guilty. But he initially told police he wasn't there. But all of these details Sharika gave in her 911 call said different. She was also able to give a written statement in the hospital before she fell into a coma. So she re- they were asking her questions about, you know, who was there. They asked her, do you think that he had anything to do with this? Like all this stuff. She had written all this stuff. Investigators did as they do, looking at phone records, etc., and quickly made the connection to Kennedy, the driver. Remember? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He breaks barely into questioning. With the information that he gave, Watkins gets picked up and fully flips on Caruth because fuck him. Watkins is cold-blooded dude he was like i should have killed everybody in that car with me but i shot all the bullets so Mm, geez yeah they all get arrested and of course ray was able to bond out because he was the one with money but he was able to bond out with the stipulation that if sharika or chancellor died he immediately had to turn himself back in Mm -hmm. well sharika was taken by her injuries 27 days after the shooting whoa she had had been unconscious in a coma that entire time Mm. And Ray didn't turn himself in. He fled the state. But shortly into becoming a fugitive, he was found in the trunk. This is the best sentence ever. He was found in the trunk of a Toyota Camry with his pants around his ankles, surrounded by Gatorade bottles of his own piss in a Nashville motel parking lot. What? Yes. So he had a friend uh, who was going to California. Who's like, hey, I got an extra trunk. Well, he had this friend and she's like, I'm going to California or whatever. And he's like, I got to get out of here. And I don't know if he convinced her that he was being framed or, you know, what the case was. He probably had the bullshit story, whatever. But she had to stop at this hotel because she was exhausted. And 
the FBI is looking for him because he crossed state lines. So now it becomes federal. Mm-hmm. So th- through the course of like them ding, 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 putting all the little pieces together, they're like, yeah, he's in this fucking trunk. And he's like, I'm in here eating energy bars and pissing into fucking Gatorade bottles. And they're like, yeah, you're pathetic. Let's go. Hmm. Watkins, the shooter, pled guilty to second degree murder and made a deal to testify against Carruth. Carruth could have taken the same plea agreement, but he refused and went to trial where he faced a first degree murder charge which could have gotten him the death penalty. That trial was insane. And everything about it, to me, pointed directly at Carruth. So murderer Watkins, right? He's he's one of the key witnesses. In the eyes of the court, he may have not been the best witness just because of his history and everything. Mm-hmm. Especially when Carruth's attorneys tried to say that Sharika's murder was retaliation against Carruth for backing out of funding a big drug deal. That was their argument. They were like, he wasn't planning to murder her. He agreed to pay money for this drug thing that Watkins and these guys were doing, and then he pulled finance... And they were like, we're going to get you. And they killed her. Okay. Um, By the way, Carruth's lead defense attorney was David Rudolph, who later represented Michael Peterson. You've seen The Staircase, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that guy is like, after seeing The Staircase, it's like, oh, yeah, he's far-fetched as shit. Mm -hmm. Isn't he the one who came up with the owl defense in The Staircase? I don't know. Anyway, the evidence that they had and the witnesses they had went well beyond Watkins' testimony. They had Sharika's 911 call, her written statement, as well as some pretty damning witnesses. Amber Turner had dated Carruth in college and testified that when they were dating, she had gotten pregnant. He was so mad and demanded that she get an abortion. She testified that, quote, he said, I ain't going to have no more kids with someone I ain't going to be with. Don't make me send somebody out there to kill you. You know I'll do it. Oof. She also told Wear a condom. Pl- you know? Get your fucking tubes tight, bro. I mean, this guy. Like, or your Snip your dicks. Yeah, dude. It can be re- reversed. It's Man. I, Yeah. It's just... For somebody who's being so irresponsible, he's got a lot of really intense views on it. But it's like, you have control there. Yeah. But he, I'm sure he's also of, like, the fucking toxic masculinity belief that, like, it's a woman's job to prevent a pregnancy. Right. So Amber also told the court that Ray had, quote, joked about having his ex Michelle Williams or his son Ray Jr. killed so he wouldn't have to pay child support. Mm-hmm. Michelle Williams, remember the woman in California who had his kid? Yeah testified that on one phone call with this fucking piece of shit, she was talking about planning a trip to bring Ray Jr. to visit his dad and was like, oh, what should I do to occupy myself while you guys are hanging out? You know, Mm -hmm. and Carruth goes, don't be surprised if you get into a car accident. He later said that he was joking. (laughs) Also, motherfucker was lying saying that he wasn't there when Sharika was shot. We all knew that, but they were able to later triangulate cell phone shit and were like, no, this is where you were here. Right. You get it. It was all so glaringly obvious. Even so, there was major dispute among the jurors because it was clearly completely orchestrated by Carruth, but because the trigger man was convicted of second degree murder, there were jurors who refused to go for the first degree charge for Carruth. Second degree wasn't on the table though, so they split the Diff and decided he was not guilty of murder in the first, but was guilty of all of the lesser charges, which included conspiracy to commit murder, shooting yeah. into an occupied vehicle, and using an instrument to destroy an unborn child. But the baby survived, right? Let me finish. Oh, okay. He was sentenced to 18 to 24 years in prison. Michael Kennedy, the driver, pled guilty to second-degree murder and was sentenced to 11 years. He was released from prison in 2011. Stanley Abraham, who didn't want to be in the car that night, pled out as well and served two years. 
Okay. Watkins isn't eligible for parole until 2046, which is probably good. He's had like 50 infractions in prison. It's just garbage. He's a scary guy. Hmm. Sharika's mom, Sandra, won a civil case against the four men convicted and won a nearly $6 million settlement. But none of these motherfuckers had any money. So it was kind of symbolic more than anything. Almost all of Ray Karuth's retirement money went to lawyers. So she only received a few grand of that, which is so unfortunate, mainly because Sandra became the primary caregiver to her grandson, Chancellor. Because of the length of time he was deprived of blood and oxygen, Chancellor Mm. suffered severe brain injuries and cerebral palsy and is in need of around-the-clock care. Um, He's a really incredible kid. I watched all this stuff about him, too, and read different articles of, like, graduating high school. He's such an incredible kid. He's got an amazing grandma. He's worked so hard to be able to walk with the aid of a walker. He can Mm. communicate with a limited vocabulary both of those things doctors said he would never do yeah he's strong just like his mom yeah well and his and his grandma's just oh she's just such a it's a great it's great i cried about it a little it's it's really it's really sweet caruth was released from samson correctional institution in clinton north carolina on october 27th 2018 apparently after caruth's what apparently apparently Apparently, after Carruth was released, he sent a check for several thousand dollars to Chancellor and has claimed to have intentions of continuing to support him and pay him what he's due. He, I mean, based on this settlement, he owes like a million dollars to them mm-hmm. and sent this money through the court. There's no return address. He lives in Pennsylvania or something, I think, right now mm. um, and still hasn't seen his son. Huh. Cool. Well, that sucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Welcome back. Okay, so next week we have season five, episode two, Manic. Benson Stabler and Huang are fucking trying to figure out if this teenage boy that's undergoing psychiatric treatment is responsible for the death of some high school students and some illegal marketing campaign by pharmaceutical companies. All this is going to be crazy. I mean, especially that it's called Manic. I'm like, ugh, what fucking early aughts shit are they going to be dragging out about bipolar and shit? Right, yeah, exactly. Let's get into (sighs) it. All right, well, that sounds great. See you then. Rate and review us. Five stars. Bing, 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 bing. Email us at svpod at gmail.com. Send us shit if you want at P.O. Box 176 to Forest, Wisconsin, 53532. Check out our Instagram at svpod. Join the Facebook group, svpod elite squad. We also have through that a chat. It's so fun. It's called Walk and Talk. Hashtag little bit loud for all your indie pod needs. And join the Patreon. There's we got so tons much of stuff. extra stuff. Tons, tons. Yeah, a lot of inside jokes, a lot of lot of fun shit going on over there. Okay, love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. <laughs> Doctor Jizz, MD. <laughs> and MD stands for Major Dick. And to our Elite Squad patrons, Haley K, Sonia W, Sky K, Marissa M, Elky H, Annie G, Mary D, Andrew. Andrew. It was just his birthday, too, by the way. Happy Rebecca birthday, Andrew. D. Happy birthday, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Rebecca D, Miranda B, Shelby W, Lex, Emily T, Kayla W, Mallory G, Bonita R, Marin. Vanessa, Amy P, Jess M, Summer M, Melanie G, Courtney W, Ursula S, Emily A, Kate H, Uyanga, Nicole R, Julia P, Sapphire, <laughs> Kayla, 
Catherine M, Kate P, Jessica S, Nicole M, Acacia V, Danielle W, Kelsey D, Jana M, Joshua H, Tammy J, Bear, Bear, Crystal, Lucy M, Trisha S, Sam D, Emily A, Angela D, Mac, Mac Attack, <laughs> Mac, Mac Attack, Mac Truck. <laughs> Okay, stop it. Okay, okay. KZW. Oh, I took it too far. Okay. <laughs> KZW, Abby W, Alexis J, Lauren T, Cassandra S, Kaylin B, Camilla Z, Nisha G, Maggie D, K Allen, Katie M, Crystal B, Jessica P, Nada M, Zan and J, Sin, Christina D, Liana, Madison H, and Emily. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> We love you and appreciate you. You're all making it possible for us to continue doing this. Thank you for supporting us. We missed you on our break. That's why we put a bunch of extra stuff on the Patreon. Yeah, and you guys are the ones that heard it. So <laughs> welcome to the shit show. Everybody, right, people.